Back on episode 285, Brenda Bernstein taught us how to vastly improve our LinkedIn profiles. On this episode, Brenda returns to tell us more about how to leverage the full power of LinkedIn. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 342. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. One of the key skills for us as leaders is being able to communicate well using technology to represent ourselves well and our organizations well online. And in the business world, at least, there's no more important place for us to be representing ourselves well than on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has become really the network of choice for business professionals. And while there's many social networks out there, there really is something that's so unique about LinkedIn in helping us to represent our careers well online and to make connections that help us to grow our own careers. And of course, our organizations as well. And about a year ago, I invited Brenda Bernstein onto the show to talk about how we could write a really effective LinkedIn profile. It has been one of the most popular downloaded episodes over the last year. Brenda and I continue to get connections and questions about that episode. And so we thought it would be fabulous to have her back and to do a 2.0 version of that conversation. And if you missed that episode, you'll be glad to know that Brenda Bernstein is the founder and senior editor of The Essay Expert. She is also the author of How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile, a book that held the number one bestseller spot in Amazon's business writing skills list for two years. And she has continued to update the book. Brenda, I can't believe the book is in its 13th edition. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Yes, it's been a, a, a road <laughs> and a journey, continuing continuing journey to keep all, all that information updated. Um, as, of course, some of you know, the Microsoft purchased LinkedIn and there's been a whole new redesign, and we are going to talk about that today. Yeah, indeed. A, a lot has changed. And we knew last year when we aired the episode that there were changes coming. And of course, those have now come. And so um, we have collected a bunch of questions from the listening community, from our academy community on LinkedIn, things we did not hit on in the first episode. So I want to make sure we get to all of those. But before we do, what has changed, Brendan, last year? Um, of course, we had the redesign, but what's the kind of things that really the uh, us as end users should know about what's happening at LinkedIn? Well, one thing that I want to talk about is, you know, when you first connect with someone on LinkedIn, like that's the beginning of a relationship of some kind. And one of the things that was uh, a little bit challenging was how do you write an invitation that isn't just sort of that that standard LinkedIn invitation. Sometimes they change the wording of it, but it's something like, you know, please join my network on LinkedIn. <laughs> please join my network on LinkedIn. You know, it's like a ro robotic, right? Yeah. And one of the things that's changed is that now when you reach out to connect with someone on the desktop version or laptop version, it gives you a, a little option before you do anything to add a note. Now, the funny thing is that the add a note is white with just like a blue outline. 
And then there's a send now, which is blue and looks like you should click it. I don't know why they've done it this way, sort of backwards. I say click on add a note and personalize your invitation. So it's nice that they at least do make you stop and think about it. But you really have to think about it because really the, the send now one is the one that looks like easy. it's easier, right? And bigger and bolder. But click on add a note and write to someone why you want to connect. On the mobile application, it's still not doing that automatically. And you've got to kind of tie your hands. And the way to do that is look for the three dots. Instead of hitting like send invitation, you've got to hit those three dots. And then it one of the choices is personalize invite. And then you can write a note that way. Most people, this is the beginning of a relationship. And I think it's important to think about it that way. So think about what do you want to say to this person versus just the packaged one-liner that you would get on LinkedIn. So that's one important thing. Then, you know, in terms of a redesign, there have been changes in the menus and the search functions. What I would say is the menus are now really horizontal. So when you look for anything on LinkedIn, you're going to be looking at menus across the top. Uh, If you put a keyword in the search, then you're going to have an option across the top so let's say I put, what's it, What's something that people might be looking for in your audience, Dave? Oh, gosh, maybe coaching skills, for example. Okay, so if you're looking for coach training or something like that, you could write coach training in the search box. And then when you hit the little search magnifying glass, it's going to give you people, jobs, content, and then more, which Under the more, you'll get companies, groups, or schools. So that's how you're going to be looking for things. And you can then also get your filters right across the top. And this just changed a few days ago. You can filter by location, by the level of connection in your network, by the company. And then if you click on all filters, then you're going to get something that looks familiar where you can just click, you get everything on one page and you can click the language and the industry and the companies and the locations all in the same place. So that's just going to be something to get used to. It's, I think, a work in progress because they do keep making changes here. And this is also how you're going to find alumni. And alumni are a great resource no matter who you are. People love connecting with people who went to their school. And this is now how you will find alumni. So you'll, let's say, I want to find, I would actually put the name of the school in the search box. And then when I click on schools, I'm going to get all kinds of graphs and charts about who, you know, who in my network is there and what industries they're in and all that fun stuff. Oh, that's interesting because I didn't even know any of that was there. So uh, I'll, I'll type in a couple of my schools and uh, take a look at who comes up. So you'll see some of the connections and people, other people who mm-hmm. are connected. Interesting. And, and I think at the end of the day, it comes down to that personal connection. And I know folks have uh, sent some questions for us on like, how do they come up in more of those searches once they have a very good profile? And I really want to encourage everyone, if you do not feel like you have a solid LinkedIn profile yet, is to go back and listen to the episode we aired a year ago, episode 285. I'm going to put the links in the notes in this week's leadership guide, because virtually nothing has changed around the strategy on how to do that, even with the design change. So we're going to take the next step here today and really look at, okay, now assuming you have 
a decent profile up. And maybe, of course, you're always tweaking and changing it. But can we jump into a, a couple of these questions here, Brenda? Because I'm sure. kind of thinking this will be fun as, as thinking of like, now, what can we do further with it? So Johanna wrote in and said, I'd like to know the rules around publishing an article and then promoting it via posts. Uh, and she asks, is that okay? And how often? Where does the article show up when you publish it other than your profile? So uh, for folks who don't know, there is a publishing platform on LinkedIn, isn't there? There is. So it's really easy to get there. You just go to your homepage and you will see an option, write an article. So it's as easy as that. And you click on write an article and that brings you into the LinkedIn publishing platform. You'll write a headline, you can add images and you can put your article right in there. In terms of promoting it, you really need to look at the rules in each of your groups you always want to pro if you're writing articles that are really useful and educational, usually they'll be accepted by your groups, but you do need to look at the rules for each one because every group has different rules. So I would say, yes, it's okay. And you, you need to use your judgment about when it's starting to become spam. I wouldn't post any one article more than one time. I wouldn't post articles every day in the same groups. You know, what I do is I have a rotating schedule and I have assistants who help me with this. And we post some of my older articles if they're evergreen, you know, that they're still valid information. And we put them in the groups that we think they're the most relevant to. And we keep a calendar of where, where and when we're posting all the articles. And at this point, I haven't had any of my group say, you know, you're posting too much or you're not allowed to, to post that. So, you know, you, you try it out and you learn as you go. In terms of how the article shows up, the content will be in your profile. So if someone looks at your profile, they can go to your articles and they'll see the article there. I think they'll just see like the most recent ones in your article section. Then they're also shared with your connections, but not all of your connections. And this is something that's determined by LinkedIn, by some algorithm about your level of connection, you know, whether you're first, second or third degree. Also, the connections, what they have their settings on in terms of what information they want to get or not get. And also, if they're not reading their notifications, they might not get as many new ones. So it's some magic formula, but some of your connections are going to get it. And then also there are people who aren't actually your connections, but they they hit follow. So if they're your followers, they'll also receive your articles and your posts in their news feed. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. And sometimes followers will actually receive a notification when you when you publish an article. So, you know, what I've found is that there are certain people who read my articles, they open them and it's like the more that they open them, I think the more they get notifications that I have a new article because they're showing their interest. So I end up getting comments by a lot of the same people. I'm I'm building a like a loyal audience on LinkedIn of people who read that. Do you find that as well, Dave? When you publish something, it's some of your like loyal people who are commenting and 
engaging. Yes, indeed. And I need to do more of it. Um, because and, and I have people reach out to me and they say, well, you know, I'd like to maybe start I don't want to necessarily set up my own blog, but I'd just like to write a couple of articles and just start doing more writing and get more traction online. And one of the first suggestions I often make is, you know, start with LinkedIn. It's so uh-huh. easy to write and publish an article. And uh, yeah, not everyone's going to see it. But a, a few people in your network are going to see it. At, at the very least, people will read it. And you do get some pretty immediate feedback. People mm-hmm. write comments or you don't. And then that tells you yeah. something too, right? And so it's a really great starting point if you're going to get really serious about it and become a professional writer or blogger. You know, that's a mm-hmm. whole other story. But it's a really easy system to just jump in and to start writing. And boy, I'll tell you, the people that I see regularly publishing something on LinkedIn, you know, and, and it's good. I, I often like or share things and, uh, and it's, it's just a great way to get your message out there. The other important thing I think about publishing on LinkedIn, which is also really cool, is that LinkedIn articles are searchable, not just on LinkedIn, they're searchable on Google. So if I, someone Googles my name, those LinkedIn articles are likely to come up in those searches. Yes. Or if they search the topic that you wrote on, LinkedIn has a very high ranking in Google. That's something to think about with your profile as well. You know, if you think, oh, I don't need a LinkedIn profile. I have a website. Well, your LinkedIn profile, if someone does a search and you have all your keywords set up right, your LinkedIn profile might come up higher than your own website and when someone Googles you. So it is important to have a LinkedIn profile and do it well for Google as well as LinkedIn. So if you want your articles that you write to be searchable outside of LinkedIn through any search engine, you do need to make sure that your public profile is visible and that there's posts and activities. So you need to, to check that that's going to be visible and, and public and that's in the public profile section. So that makes your articles public and searchable both on and off of LinkedIn. So that means people who aren't even on LinkedIn who don't have LinkedIn accounts can still find your articles. Yeah, and just to reinforce that, uh, as much as I've published online the last seven years, uh, LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile is still one of the top two or three hits when you Google my name. So it's mm-hmm. it really it really is. It seems that Google really and LinkedIn, I don't, I don't know how the back end works, but there's certainly a pretty strong relationship there. So, okay, good. Let's respond to a question here from Laura. I've gotten this question uh, a bunch uh, or some version of it. I've heard there's a way to signal to recruiters that you're looking, but I fear that my boss would find out. I'm wondering if there's a way to limit what information is shared within one's network versus outside of one's network. My guess is LinkedIn is too much of a spider web to control slash limit what gets shared with certain connections. And Brenda, I I know this person uh, personally, and um, I I know in her case, she's in a very, very tight-knit industry and her boss is extremely well-connected. So I think there's some some Mm -hmm. fear there. Um, How does that work on LinkedIn? Because I don't know if most people are aware that this is an option even. Yes, this is a definite issue. There's something I believe, is it Laura? Is that the name? Yes, Laura. Yeah, so I believe what Laura is talking about is open candidates. This is something that you can go to under, since we're talking about the public profile settings, um, this one would be under privacy and job seeking. And you can toggle on and off the open candidates feature. What LinkedIn says is that turning on open candidates, it's a signal to, well, it's a signal to recruiters that you're available for opportunities. And LinkedIn claims that you're actually twice as likely to receive relevant messages from recruiters And if you're a recruiter, people with their open candidates feature on are twice as likely to respond if you contact them. 
So that makes it very appealing for recruiters to contact people with open candidates on. Now, the danger is that if you are in a tight-knit industry and the recruiters talk to each other or the recruiters talk to your company, (laughs) you know, you, you can't control that. So even though on LinkedIn itself, it's not like everyone can see that you have open candidates on, any recruiter who's able to see that what that you know that feature is going to know that open candidates is on so the recruiter from your company can go and look <laughs> so you're kind of stuck yeah so if you are in a tight knit industry and there's uh, a half a dozen recruiters that are best friends with your boss this may not this may be the thing to proceed with caution on or if your company uses recruiters they can go in and they can look and see that you have open candidates on. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. So something to be cautious of, but, but on the other side, there's not something on your public LinkedIn profile that puts up a flag. It says, I'm looking for opportunities. It's something that only recruiters can see. It shouldn't unless, you know, something happens, you know, (laughs) there are always technical things that happen. And so if you want to be absolutely completely sure, don't turn it on. But if you're willing to take a little bit of a risk, and it will, it will give you more visibility to recruiters, and you'll be more likely to be contacted. Okay, great. That's really good to know. And and you know, this goes with like everything we do online. Uh, you know, don't put anything online you don't want the world to see. <laughs> at the end of the right. day, you know, if something exactly. really did nutty that did happen. Okay, good. That that's really helpful. So we do have a related question here from Alaria. She asks, Are there any recruiters who value the involvement of a potential candidate on LinkedIn in terms of post sharing? contributions to discussion and public posts, contributions to public group discussions, etc. My hypothesis is for certain job positions or certain companies, community engagement and the ability to contribute to discussions constructively is valued. LinkedIn offers users the possibility to do so. And I'm wondering if recruiters pay attention to this. And if so, how do they capture this information? So uh, Brenda, what do you think? Is her hypothesis uh, sound like one that's valid? Yes, this is your hypothesis is 100% correct, accurate. Recruiters do care. They like to see that people are posting articles. They like to see that people are active in groups. And how they capture the information probably depends on the recruiter. But, I mean, they can look at your profile once they find someone that they're interested in. I'm sure that they have little tick marks that they make about, okay, how many articles have you published? What's your um, activity, your group activity? The other thing that they look at that some people don't think about is not only whether you've gotten recommendations on LinkedIn, but whether you've given recommendations on LinkedIn. And they read the recommendations that you have given to see how those sound. Mm. So they, they really do consider your whole picture, your whole profile and activity. So that's a, another reason to, I think, listen to the podcast from a year ago. And you'll get some ideas also there about how to just make your profile as great as possible. And I have a lot of in that about that in my book as well, um, how to give and get recommendations and be active on LinkedIn. It does make a difference. Yeah, great, great question, Aloria. Okay, so uh, another question, and this is actually related to a number of the questions that we had come in for this episode, Brenda, because while we do have people who are uh, in transition or looking for an opportunities in our community, more often the case, I get this question about LinkedIn, it's some related to this. Uh, and Bridget asked, for your upcoming Q&A session with Brenda, I'd be curious if she has any tips specifically for B2B communication and B2B selling on LinkedIn. To your 
your point earlier, Brenda, that you know what we have on LinkedIn is often one of the first things people see if they don't know us, especially in the professional world. What suggestions do you have for uh, representing an organization well, or maybe even uncovering sales opportunities or leads for people who are doing that on LinkedIn? One of the things that you want to do on LinkedIn, just like you do if you're a job seeker, is you want to make sure you have the right keywords in your profile. Like I had a recent client who is in the wireless reselling business, right? So he wants to have, in addition to his title, he wants to say technology, wireless, cell phones, you know, all of that. He wants to have that in his headline. Um, And then he wants to have that also in his experience sections in his job titles. So it's not just going to say president and CEO, it's going to say used mobile phones and tablets buyback, you know, in his actual job title. So that's something to definitely consider if you're looking to be found, if someone's searching for what you do, same principle, whether you're a job seeker or a business owner. The other thing as a business owner that I think is very important is when you connect with someone on LinkedIn, how do you connect with them? What message do you give them? You're hopefully not sending those generic invitation requests. <laughs> you're sending something that connects you, is engaging with that person. And if someone connects with you, you have an opportunity to respond. So rather than just accept the invitation and do nothing else, what are you going to write back to them? Are you going to find out if they might have any kind of pain points that you can address? And then how are you going to do this? And this is a bigger marketing question, but how do you do that without sounding pushy and salesy and spammy, right? So that's something to really think about in terms of your marketing strategy. What I do, since I'm a LinkedIn writer, I have kind of an obvious way to connect with people. Whenever anyone connects with me, I thank them for connecting. I make a couple of suggestions about their LinkedIn profile. And I say, hey, you know, I have this free excerpt of my book, you can connect with me and get this free excerpt and then I get them onto my list. So one way that you can use LinkedIn is to get people onto your private email list. I definitely use it for that and you should be too. And you want to make sure that you're doing it in a gentle and not pushy or spammy way. Well, and and the way you're doing it is you're adding value to people. I mean, I love that when people reach out to you, you're looking at their profiles and making suggestions and something that's really helpful for them in an area you have expertise. And that's what a great way to uh, what a great way to begin that relationship versus just a oh hi sorry on LinkedIn thanks for connecting. You know, it's it's so much of making a connection online. In some ways, it's just like we do in person. Like it's just starting to have a conversation, right? It's not like uh, you wouldn't mm-hmm. walk up to someone in person and you didn't had never met and and try to like pitch them to buy something. So it's just starting a conversation and then helping them in some way. Oh, interesting, interesting. And you know, one of the things I'm I'm realizing as we're talking about this that I've made an assumption on and may not be right is I know LinkedIn has paid memberships as well too. And I see now. I don't know if this happened after the Microsoft acquisition, but. There seem to be more options for this and different kinds of memberships. I've always heard that, well, you don't need to do that on LinkedIn. It's perfectly fine to use the free account. But I am curious, you know, for, for someone who is maybe wanting to uh, utilize LinkedIn from more of a sales standpoint or is looking mm-hmm. for the next career opportunity, are those, do those make sense to look into as far as paid options? And do you, do you have a sense of like how valuable that is for people? I always recommend to people that they try it because you can pretty much get a free month of anything on LinkedIn. So if 
if you're a job seeker, there's job seeker premium. I do believe that it's been helpful for a lot of job seekers. Some find it helpful, some don't. So I can't just give an answer one way or the other. And the same thing with some of the other premium services like sales, sales navigator. If you're really, really in sales and that's all you do, I think you should probably get it. And again, you can try it for a month and get started and, and see if you start to pick up some good tips there and good, good tools. One of the really nice things about getting premium account, and I, I will tell you, I still don't have a premium account. And I, uh, you know, I've written the book on LinkedIn. One of the things that I miss about it, I would say, is that I can't tell who's viewed my profile. I can only see maybe maybe three people and sometimes it doesn't give me a lot of information. When you have a premium account, you do get to see more of the people who visited your profile and that can be extremely useful in sales. That would, I, in my book, that is the most important and useful thing and it can be worth a lot to be able to see who's checking me out on LinkedIn. Now, the little caveat is if someone has their privacy, privacy settings off, you're still not going to be able to see them. Yeah. You, you can't see everyone if they decided they don't want you to, but you will see a lot more of the people who are visiting your profile. You also do get more access to in-mails and in-mails are known to be opened more than regular messages on LinkedIn. I have not, partly because I have a very big network, I think I have 86 600 connections or something like that. And that helps me to be able to communicate and connect with more people. If you have a smaller network, you might be running into, I can't even connect with this person or communicate with them unless I have a premium account and, and use in-mail. But there is a workaround for a lot of people, even if it says you need to send in-mail, if you go to their profile, usually you can find a way to actually reach out and connect with them. And then if they accept your connection, you can email them. So for me, those workarounds have, have been sufficient. I've noticed the same thing. Like you go to someone's profile and you don't see the option to connect or it says in-mail. And then you click on those little dots and there's a drop down. And often there is a, still a connect button there. And then yes. you can add the personal note. And I find that often with guests who come on the show, sometimes I'm not connected with them and I'll send that. And 90% of the time I'm able to send a connection request um, if someone has a profile on LinkedIn. And I, again, I don't know if that's you know number connections and how that all works, but uh, but it does seem like there's there's often a workaround for that. And and it's good to know that the paid options, that there's a free month. I might try one of these out too. I'm just looking online here. There's you know four different options um, and you get a free mm -hmm. month for all of them. Yeah, it may, may be worth trying out, especially for someone who is thinking about um, doing more with LinkedIn or, or, or mm. getting more visibility on their profile or maybe making a change. Okay, good. So here's a question from Marcelo. He says, I, I see this on LinkedIn, Brenda, too. Uh, he says, recently, LinkedIn has been receiving more and more posts that are quote unquote Facebook style, <laughs> especially after they've enabled the upload of videos. Sometimes people comment on these posts with heavy criticism and say, this is not the place for this. This is a Facebook post. Although I believe that LinkedIn is for professional purposes only, and I never post something like that. I wonder if I should respond to that or maybe just politely ask to be excluded or, or block that request. I'm curious about this question too, Brenda, but I'm also curious, maybe even on a larger point, of you know, what is appropriate on LinkedIn? I mean, is it appropriate to post a photo and a video? Because I found that some of the best engagement I've gotten on LinkedIn is when I post a photo of someone, like at an event or a conference or something, and we're together and I'll, I'll write a little note. What's been your experience with this? 
Well, I think that kind of posting is completely appropriate when you're at an event or a conference that's related to your profession. I think that's great. I think that what this person is asking about is when it's kind of going more into the personal and not as appropriate, right, for a business atmosphere. There's some videos, and I think we know the difference, but which videos are appropriate and professional and which are not, right? So in terms of when you see something that is just clearly not appropriate for LinkedIn, I wouldn't start attacking it and criticizing it right on the post. I think that that is also not very professional to do. There are ways to report things to LinkedIn. So I would just report it. And if you're connected with the person, then block them. And yeah, if you think someone's impersonating someone, then you can also report that. If they're spamming, you can report that. So I would just use the tools that are available. And I I do this fairly frequently. Um, Sometimes I connect with people who turn out to want to tell me how beautiful I am. And that's not what I want to hear anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) You know, on any social media site anyway, (laughs) but um, especially not on LinkedIn as, you know, just complete, it's clearly someone who's trying to get something other than a business relationship on LinkedIn. And uh, don't respond, you know, don't respond, just disconnect, spam, block, use the tools that you have available. Yeah, no, I'll second that 100%. I have zero tolerance for spam and that kind of stuff for people reaching out. And so definitely block those folks. I remove connections regularly when people start spamming me or sending messages on things. So don't hesitate to do that. And and the network wants to know that uh, because if you do that and other people do that as well, then they know that person is uh, not being a uh, you know a good citizen on the network and that person will get booted. So all right. Let's see. One, one last question from Jeff. He says, I'd be interested in learning about gaining connections and trying to land internships when you're still a student, which he is. A challenge I've come across is so many businesses related uh, to inter- internships at least expect you to have a degree before being considered. So I guess the short question would be, are there any tips for standing out on LinkedIn as a student? Uh, and we do have some students who listen to our show, Brenda. Any tips for them? Well, one really cool thing that some, some of you might not know about is that when you search in jobs, you can filter those those job postings by the level of the posting. So you can actually filter by internships. So if you're looking for an internship in communications, you can put communications in the search bar and then you can hit the little magnifying glass and then you hit jobs. And then we're looking at these menus across the top. So you can you can filter it by date posted, by some LinkedIn features, if it's in your network, easy apply, under 10 applicants, you can search uh, search by company, you can search by experience level, and you can click internship. And then you're going to be left with the positions that are internships. So that's something important to know if you are looking for that kind of position. And if you are a company that's looking for an intern, it's nice for you to know that this exists as well. So that's one thing. In terms of your profile itself, Again, it's really a matter of having a great profile and one that stands out and that when someone looks at it, they go, wow, this is a real go-getter and exciting, sounds like exciting, enthusiastic, fun person, you know, to have on our team. And, you know, when you're writing your profile, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you're really creating who you are. 
in that profile. And the expectations that you set by your whole tone and how you're presenting your personality on LinkedIn are going to inform how a company sees you. If you do get an interview and you go and the, go there in person, they're going to have a preconceived notion of who you are. So you want to make that really great. And you just, you want to make sure you have really solid connections, build your network as much as possible. Even if you're, you know, you've just graduated from college or you're still in college, you connect with alumni from your school, connect with solid people who you respect on LinkedIn, build your network. And it's sometimes you might want to get some professional help in how do you write your profile so that it does stand out. And again, you know, my, my book has a lot of good information on that as well. You know, one thing you changed my mind on in a big way on LinkedIn, in a positive way, when we aired episode 285 was that looking at LinkedIn not as another place to post your resume and to copy and paste in your profile, but to look at LinkedIn at what it is for what it is, which is a social network. It's a place for people to engage and connect with you. And so writing your profile of, yeah, there's some things that are similar that will be on your resume too, but writing your profile to people and to be engaging and to be warm. Uh, and in my case, I've even gone on in the last year and put things that I failed at that, you know, normally I may not put on a normal resume uh, and I'm not looking for a job, but it, but, but just because I want people to really see that whole part of me when they go to my profile and it to be real personable. Mm-hmm. And and that's really made a difference as far as people reaching out to me. So I, yeah, it humanizes you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Okay. So we've got a few call to actions for you. So one of them is if you haven't listened to episode 285, go back and listen to that because that'll be helpful in just putting together your profile. And that in combination with what you've heard today, I think is going to help a lot. Uh, The other thing I'd recommend and I've read is Brenda's book now in its 13th edition, How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile. We'll have links to that in this week's leadership guide. It's just been updated for 2018. It's got all the new formatting for LinkedIn in there. Um, But a lot of the course concepts are are still very similar to what we talked about last year, as we've mentioned, of course. And if this is all just making your head hurt (laughs) and you want someone who can help you out, Brenda, I know folks can reach out to you and hire you to do a LinkedIn review uh, and even do some of the work for them as far as thinking about the best way to position themselves on the network, right? Yes. I would be thrilled to work with any of you who are interested in having someone create a standout LinkedIn profile for you because one of the things people don't like doing is writing about themselves and uh, we're here to help you out with that. Yeah, it is it is hard to do. And and by the way, if you haven't done this already as another first step, and especially if you're not in the habit of writing that personal note, I would encourage you to take the action to um, reach out to Brenda on LinkedIn, write a, a personal note. I'll put all the links in this week's leadership guide and on the show notes here and send her a message and say hi, make that personal connection. And I'd also encourage you to do the same thing for me. I love connecting with our listening community on LinkedIn. And Brenda, to our question earlier, one of the questions I often ask when someone connects with me is, you know, what's been useful from the show? And we'll start a conversation. I love getting mm. those those messages and just having conversations about what's been helpful to people from what they've heard on the podcast. And I'd certainly love to hear what's been helpful to people from this conversation. So Brenda, thank you so much. This is great. I'm so glad we have you as a go-to resource for LinkedIn. And I know this is not going to be our last conversation. So thanks a ton for your time today. You're welcome. And I, I had a great time and I look forward to the next time. Brenda Bernstein is the author of How to Write a Killer LinkedIn Profile. Check it out on Amazon.
Thank you to everyone who sent in questions for today's episode. I hope you will connect with us on LinkedIn as well, if you haven't already, and several episodes that will also support you in this topic on the Coaching for Leaders podcast library. If you log in to your member portal and go to the podcast library, you will find a number of episodes that are tagged under the topic of networking, which this show is as well. One of those is episode 177, How to Start a Conversation with Anyone, a key skill for many of us. And if you are like me and you tend not to do that well naturally, at least not with practice, on that episode, Mark Sievercrop walked us through a six-step, very simple way to start a conversation with just about anyone. It was one of the more popular downloaded shows the the year it aired. So check that out under the networking tab. Also, you will find episode 269, How to Ask for Career Help. Larry Brayman was my guest on that episode, and Larry and I talk through what are some of the key strategies that you can utilize in order to ask others for help, especially when you're trying to navigate career decisions and career changes. It is something that most of us would benefit by getting a lot better at, and most of us are not naturally good at doing that. Uh, Episode 269 is a great listen if you're looking for more on that. And then as we mentioned earlier in today's conversation, If you haven't already done the work to improve your LinkedIn profile itself, that is the best place to start with LinkedIn, and you can find out more about that on the previous appearance with Brenda on episode 285. All of those links will be in the weekly leadership guide this week. In addition to that, a bonus audio with Brenda. I mentioned on last episode that I'm going to begin pulling some of the audio that we're not always able to include in the main interview. And on some episodes, won't be able to do it for every episode, but on some episodes, when we have extra audio, we're going to put a link to that in the weekly leadership guide. It won't be on the main podcast uh, itself, uh, but if you want a little bit more from that week's guest, be sure to open up and check that weekly leadership guide that comes on Wednesdays in your email box. And how do you get that? Well, just register for your free membership. That'll give you access to the weekly leadership guide. It's going to give you access to the podcast library, searchable by topic, as well as my free audio course and a ton of other resources that are available inside the free membership portal. If you haven't already set that up, just go over to coachingforleaders.com and you will find a link right there to activate Your free membership will give you access to all of that immediately. And next week, I am glad to welcome Bonnie back to the show. It's going to be our monthly Q&A show. If you have a question that you'd like us to consider for next week or for the first Monday of every month, we do the Q&A show, just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That's a great place to submit your question to us so we can consider it. Thank you in advance if you decide to do that. Also, a big thank you this week to Love of Silk for the review you left on iTunes. Thank you so much. If you'd like to leave a rating or review for the show, I always am grateful for those of you who've taken the time to do that. Thank you in advance. And if you'd like to do it, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. See you next week for the monthly Q&A show. And I hope you have a fabulous week out there. Take care.